for all hard rock, heavy metal bands needing worldwide exposure at affordable prices. Online Metal Promo PR is taking bands from the underground to above ground. Visit their official website at onlinemetalpromo.net. Onlinemetalpromo.net. All right, we're ready to go. Just loading up to YouTube. Load in. Load in. Had <laughs> to. What? All right. How is everybody? Good? Good? We're good. All right. Good. Oh, no intro? What the fuck? No intro's coming right now. Yeah, welcome to Rat Sal Review. What's up, everybody? How are you? How's Lou? Well, what is that, Lou? It's my Eddie Funko. Wow, oh, cool. How are you, Not bad. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, Greg? What is that? I'm great. That is the original promo Japanese rock child single. Ooh. Wow. Oh, nice. wow. Collector's item. Cool. Very and, cool. And hello, James. How are you? Not happy to be here. No. Afraid <laughs> <laughs> I'll have a bad time. Learn. I don't have this tattoo for no reason. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> I never knew all these years you were inked. Yes. Good man. Oh, very cool. And uh and hello, Eric Adams. We are finally on. Yes, sorry, we're a little late. I had to wait for uh one of our co-hosts to be ready here and then also my I co-host. was eating Mexican food, damn it. Yeah. Uh when you guys get Dan Lilliger on as a co-host, uh I don't know if that's happening anytime. That would be cool though. We did try to get him on. But he's like unable to be found, really. Who's this? The, the uh, Dan Lilliger from uh um nuclear oh, assault yeah 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 couldn't think of the name got it yeah yeah, yeah. he's on parts unknown we have close though we got manny he kind of looks like dan Wilker, so close enough <laughs> but more coherent <laughs> all right but today part two of our judas priest versus iron maiden battle series it's today's Slipanaka. it is today's uh three albums actually is uh said wings of destiny and sin after sin by judas priest and killers by iron maiden Yes, and because I came up with the matchups just to explain to the viewers what I tried to do since they both have almost an equal number of albums. However, in the early period, Judas Priest put out a lot more than Iron Maiden did and vice versa in modern times. So I paired some up based on things like where they were in their career, the sound of certain albums to kind of go together in both Sad Wings and Sin After Sin our transitional albums for now. Right, exactly. And uh, I thought you were going to move the fan because it's blowing into the phone. I can turn it <laughs> off, but it's goddamn hot here. Not my problem. Let, let the man sweat, okay? <laughs> for you quit being such an audiophile. My God. All right, then we'll just... All night long. Yeah. Wayne, stop blowing. Wayne, that's why I want to end it. Walk right into that one, buddy. Hey. All right. 
let's get this show on the road. Uh, what is he saying now? Uh, Eric Adams, uh, James looks like the hip uh, county commission for Yellowstone, Montana. I don't know. Yes, I've never Great seen show. the show. So. Me neither. You know. mean he looks like Ranger Smith from Yogi Bear? Damn, Yogi! That would <laughs> actually be cool. Turn it off. Oh, there we go. That sounds much better. All right, now he's sweat. That's a different yeah. part altogether. All right, we'll start with Judas Priest said Wings of Destiny. The second album released uh, March 23rd, 1976 on Gold Records. It's also the only album to feature Alan Moore on drums, and it is uh, the last album to be released on Gold Records. Uh, the band were dissatisfied with the label and would break their contract to sign with CBS Records. All right. Uh, who wants to go first? Manny? Sure. I actually like Sad Wings, uh, Sad Wings of Destiny. I think it's a great album. It's a groundbreaking album. I wasn't known at that time because I think it sold about two copies. Um, I agree with Greg. It's a, tr- a transitional album for sure. They were still finding their sound, but uh, they were getting there with songs like The Ripper. Um, I believe Genocide's on there. I wish I had the album in front of me right now. Yes, Genocide is on there. Thank you. You're right. I'm both um, victim of changes. Yeah, victim of changes. And they still have their one foot sort of firmly planted into the blues. So they haven't quite, uh, sh- you know, shredded that that influence yet uh, from their uh, uh, from their musical uh, repertoire. I like the album a lot. They show a different side to themselves, like songs like Epitaph, where uh, I believe that's Glenn Tipton playing the piano on there. Um, overall, I think it's such a huge improvement over rock and roll in terms of songwriting, uh, performance, even production is is much improved. Mm-hmm. Though I doubt their budget got any better from the first to the second album. But all that touring probably did them a lot of good and, and it shows. Um, they sound like a seasoned band, unlike the first album where they sounded what they were, a brand new band. Yeah, definitely matured on this album and uh, started to sound more like Judas Priest. You know, they, they got to sound like their own selves now with this album. But uh, I think this album's really good. I mean, it's one of my favorite Priest albums. It's got a lot of songs on here that I like. A lot of songs I didn't hear till um, that, uh, that um, the, what do you call it? The cover uh, album. A Hero Hero? No, the covers album. That's a compilation. Uh, the tribute to Judas Priest the that tribute, came yes. out on Century Media Wait, back in like 96. So yeah, yeah. How did you not hear these songs if till then where were they going to play them what radio station well i mean yeah but wayne i i don't think wayne has ever listened to radio like me so i'm just surprised i used to back in like you know when i was younger that's all i had was the radio the only thing i had the the only thing that i had from judas priest was uh you know that samurai covered album the best of Oh, yeah, I the think the two nights, right? Oh, the two nights, yeah, yeah, The best one with of the, one with the belly on the head. Yeah, yes. Head yes, on the belly, head on the belly. One. That was the only thing I had, and that was like back in like maybe late 80s, early 90s or whatever, and I listened to it maybe a few times, but just I wasn't like into Judas Priest at the time, and the, the sound of them at that time, I just didn't like it, you know? And, you think you were a little too young for it? Too. Yeah, probably a little I, too are young. Are you having an earthquake over there, Wayne? What the no, hell? My, it, I'm shaking my, my uh, table. Yeah, right. yeah, you are. A typical so uh, New Yorker moving album. my hands around. But um, He's quivering because of this album. <laughs> but yeah, I remember listening to those songs back then, but like they, I didn't write, they didn't register with me, so they didn't really stick with me. So then when that tribute album came out, um, a lot of these songs, like Merciful Fate did The Ripper. So, mm. you know, I was a huge Merciful Fate by the time this came out. So, um, and Halloween did, um, well, Halloween uh, did Electric, Electric Guy, Guy but, but, but it wasn't on that. Right. 
but yeah, hearing the Merciful Fate through the Ripper, I was like blown away by that. So then I went back and, and got to hear the original version. Uh, but even, even what's the other song that was on it? Oh, Tyrant. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But um, Victim of Changes, I, I really like a lot. And uh, this is where Halford really shows off his voice, I think, the most, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, and I just mentioned the Ripper. Uh, so I, I love the Ripper. I mean, that's probably one of my favorite songs off this album. Just very catchy, very kind of to the point type uh, song. Uh, Dream of Deceiver. It's an okay ballad. I like how Halford was doing his high pitched vocals in some parts in that song. Mm-hmm. Um, Deceiver. I like this one again. Some great vocals, melodies from Halford. Tyrant. This song. I like the song. And again, I heard this first with uh, Overkill covering it, and mm-hmm. I like their version a little bit more. Only because the way they say the tyrant thing, because when Priest does it, yes, when Alfred does it, his breathy, yeah. post orgasm. <laughs> yeah, it's like he woke him up course. from a nap and he record it, this. <laughs> it, it drives me insane because I heard Unleashed in the East first, and they they had collaced fully into uh, what set the tone for heavy metal after that. By the time they got to same class and it was much more menacing and aggressive and faster right, right. and uh just more cohesive so yeah that's uh, as much as i love the song that's always bothered me <laughs> yeah yeah I, I wish they would have like maybe went back and re-recorded it at some point but uh, that's why i like overkill's version because they say it like kind of the way it should have been said originally you know uh i don't know if you guys are familiar with the overkill version at all no mm-hmm. i've never heard that tribute album in my it's, life it's actually really it's got a lot of really yeah. cool songs if it wasn't for that tribute album i probably would have never went back and listened to judas priest well i guess it did its job then it but did its job yeah um same thing with the with the dio tribute album too i, I wasn't a huge fan ah, of dio, holy so I dio. To, yeah that was like one of my favorite tributes see i think that where our age difference comes in i i don't right. remember how old you are wayne but you know the tribute albums uh you know judas priest was such a big deal when i was a kid right. and sad wings of destiny was uh one of the budget albums you would always because as a kid you only had a limited amount of money so i'd go find the budget bins and there was sad wings of destiny for like five bucks opposed to something for 10 so i would buy that yeah. you know but I, I think this is where the age difference comes in because i would hear this stuff oh, yeah. Yeah. well the only thing that they used to play on the radio was like uh, living after midnight or um breaking the law that's nothing's changed yeah that one too yeah, yeah. Uh, genocide probably the most of the letdown track for me in this album but did anybody notice that uh, the lyrics in this song mm. was the lyrics that they used for the next not the lyrics but a title a lyric in the song was for the next album sin after sin yes that was on purpose. yeah 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 i noticed that That was on purpose yes really well, i didn't think they would have think that far ahead just yeah i didn't think so ready. either yeah i just thought they were just like sin after sin or whatever the hell he's right, doing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well they didn't have the idea in mind at the time they did it on sad wings but when they went to title the next album they said yeah let's call it sin after sin because they thought it was a really cool line yeah well they didn't so they didn't think of it while they were writing that song which is no not while they were writing it (laughs) uh epitaph a a very different song i don't think they would ever go back to do something like this ever again just piano and rob singing right they came close on nostradamus and a few little tracks here and there but not quite not quite that that naked like it is on that on epitaph i agree and uh, it's very queen like too i like how like rob does those uh layered uh, vocals it's it's really cool for something but yeah it kind of 
it kind of made the album a little disjointed a little bit. I don't know. Maybe it could have been a B-side, but it's a cool song. I don't, I don't mind it. The, the, it's funny you mention that because the Queen connection, I thought I might be the only one to pick up on it was what I was going to mention that I was curious about. But yeah, Dream Deceiver, <laughs> Epitaph, Prelude, all even even the vocal effects and the different ranges he does on like the Ripper and victim of changes are very reminiscent kind of what uh freddie did on the early queen records and, right and people forget that queen it, it's almost ridiculous to say but queen in 1973-74 and you can go back to old articles were considered a heavy metal band and if you listen to queen one or live at the rainbow it's pretty damn heavy mm. you know for 1974 <laughs> I don't think Queen themselves considered themselves a heavy metal band, but that's what they were considered, at least in the first part of their career. Right. Uh, but that's a good point. The, the Queen influence is definitely uh, definitely there. And I agree with that. Yeah. I think Freddie probably would have said, we're rocking, we're hard, baby. <laughs> <laughs> actually, he might have said something like that, actually. Uh, and, and the song I'm, I'd have probably answered mm. yes to Island of Domination. Probably, <laughs> yes, right. Uh, I like that song a lot, Island of Domination. And funny enough, that's like one of the only songs I do remember from that best of record that I had. Uh, you know, li- listening to it back then. You know, when I first had it. Interesting, you didn't pick up on Victim of Changes though, because it has such a memorable riff. But it does. But you know, I don't know. I'm just, I'm yeah, it does. Person. But I, um, you brought up Unleashed in the East earlier, Greg, and. I think the versions on that smoke every version on the studio cut that they performed on there. I mean, I, uh, yeah. I mean, I know we're not going to talk about live albums, but um, to me, those are the definitive versions, but I love sad wings of destiny personally, but. And, and that's kind of how I feel about it too. I love sad wings as well. The definitive versions are on um, unleashed, but Sad, Sad Wings is a very cohesive record for the most part. I mean, they're still dicking around a little bit with other 70s sounds, like more deeply rooted in the blues rock. The guitar playing hasn't gotten aggressive yet, really, or anything like that. But in the lyrics, they've already, in songs like uh, Genocide and the Ripper, gone even beyond where Black Sabbath was going lyrically at the time. Uh, Sabbath definitely has some really strong songs in like war pigs and uh, hand of doom you know about describing the darker side of life but i don't think they were ever quite as blatant about it up to that point as priests were on this record so it's very dark and menacing and it has its own good sound it's just not as good as what they would become but it's still a classic Uh, Eric uh, Adams is a chatty Cathy tonight in the uh, chat. I'm yeah, he's a chatty Cathy. <laughs> it says, uh, said wing stinks. It sounds like an emo maxi pad line. Uh, Judas Priest sucks, period. They are always chasing the trend from day one in 1974. That's the only, bullshit. <laughs> the only thing worse yeah. than Judas Priest <laughs> so, 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 my former <laughs> podcast host there. I actually enjoyed Sad Wings. It made me come to an epiphany, though. And I know this is going to make people a little angry. Mm. I don't like high, the, the high-pitched uh, singing. Yeah, I really I don't. Can, I can get it. Yeah. Like, I, I truly, it is awful for me. And it's not, and don't get me wrong, I love some of the songs on this album, that the more Southern rock ones, but my God, some of it was just like, I'm just get me out of here. 
Let me let, let me out. Let me out. <laughs> this is gonna be a long. <laughs> this will be a long series. I will. Uh, I will. Sin after sin got worse. Even though I do like Alfred and his vocal style a lot, yes, he does go a little too over the top sometimes, especially on this album, and that's yes. why I don't really particularly care for Island of Domination. Musically, it's a good song. Lyrically, it's okay. It's just some of the shit he does with the highs and the falsettos is just too too much. It sounds comical almost on that song. I showed my I showed my wife this song. I I was listening to this and she was like, "What the hell are you listening to?" And I played it and it got to that part and she's like, "What in the hell are you listening to? And why are you doing this to yourself?" knowing me she's like why are you doing this to yourself and i'm like i don't know i'm blaming these poor clowns <laughs> well to hey, your hey. wife i say yuck yuck ho ho actually uh hey now she's like, a nice lady i actually like no, the, i didn't call her the home just saying yuck oh, forget it <laughs> i actually like the i like how high he can sing back then. Right, i like yeah. the fact i actually into that uh Mainly, I'm impressed because I could never do that in a million years. Um, I, I think well, you could, person, but you'd pass out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would pass out even attempting it. But it—it's just uh, to me, it's amazing. I, I don't know many singers who could do that in that genre. Oh no, 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 no! Don't don't get me wrong. Yeah. I don't think it's not impressive, and I don't think it doesn't take talent. I just don't like it. Well, I like get Wayne that. doesn't like growling. He likes to have the people singing like their pants are too cutting off the circulation of their genitalia. But I do yep, like growling. These I are the tightest, it. most testicle squeezingest jeans I've ever had. Let's go cut a power metal record. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's what he likes. I mean, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I know there's a lot of people who like it. Like, uh, you know, I'm just, I, I never have been into that really high falsetto singing. I've just never been into it. And and I and it's going to be very difficult for me to break me from this stance. However, I'm giving it the old junior college try. <laughs> well, James, you want to tell us what you think about uh, Sid Wings? Like, you know, what yeah. you really think about it? Oh no, no, no! I, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed most of the songs on it. Um, I'm not a big a fan of uh, the Ripper and Dream Deceiver, um, only because that's kind of what they go to, and mm. I liked how they were and i think i put it in there i was like why couldn't they just stay the way they were yeah. because i liked how they were i don't like how they what they've become and that's not and that's not saying you know the whole you know leather and all. I'm, not, I'm just saying song you know, music wise i enjoy this stuff more than i do their later stuff so you like the psychedelic type judas priest hell yeah I think you're going to find stuff you like as we move forward. Not, you know, him and I don't like comparing him and Freddie Mercury for one reason. They're both happen to be gay men and it just sounds cliche. But vocal wise, both Ron Halford kept it up a bit longer, but as Freddie got older, even though he could still do the falsetto and high notes, he just stopped kind of doing that after a while. And then live, you know, he didn't want to kill his voice. So he would, you know, change the. Yeah. Anyway, it'll be interesting as we go along with you. What do you think? But a few albums in, who gets carried away with it at points and times? I will agree yes, with that. Especially the, the next one, I think. Uh, Greg, wait a minute. I oh, was Greg talking about Sad Wings next? Oh, sorry. Okay, no, I thought yeah. you. I thought Lou was next. Unless yeah, Greg was next. There's no way to keep ready. Way to, there way to no, leave them out in the cold. There was no I order. Thought, 
Greg, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Nice. No, go ahead, Lou. That's all right. Don't want. I, I thought you spoke. I apologize. Please go. You know what? Nobody's doing it. We're moving on. Greg, go. No, so I actually, I, I like this album a lot, and um, I wasn't trying to say I didn't like high uh, vocals completely. Mm-hmm. It's just on on this album, and especially the next one, like Wayne was saying, he was still experimenting with his voice, trying to find that exact right balance, and there's just a couple moments, like on Island of Domination, um, where wasn't nuts about about it, and it sounded a little silly, but overall... It's a great record. The songwriting got much stronger here, and it's a uh, it's a definite classic. And one thing that Priest did that I think was different, and the biggest reason they really set the template for like the new wave of British heavy metal and pretty much everything that has followed is, and you can hear it especially on this record. They took a little bit from everything that was around them in the '70s and tried to incorporate it into their sound. I mean, you can hear um, uh, Black Sabbath. Thin Lizzy's melodiousness and uh, how they start to do the twin guitar attack here. Mm. You know, um, what I already mentioned about Queen, it's just uh, a very interesting amalgamation of influences and neat how they made their own sound out of it, but also pretty heavy and dark and a little unprecedented as well. (laughs) James is laughing. Sorry, I'm re- reading our comment section about well, Manny's beautiful hairline <laughs> and how it throws Lou into our category. I I, w- I will agree with Eric on one point, even though I think most of his statement is false, but they definitely did. And a lot of the times it was at the behest of the record company chased trends a little bit later on. Right. But, uh, That's way down not, the road. But That's way, not, yeah. not, not here. I understand uh, you know, some people hear like Epitaph and even Prelude and Dream Deceiver and think, oh, well, that's kind of out of left field. They must have been whatever. No, they were just experimenting with different right. things. And I, I think it all actually fits within the con, uh, context of this record. Um, I mean, yeah. Epitaph is different, but it's still based in that blues rock enough and then with the melodious influences on the rest of the record where i really don't think other than the piano it's really all that out of place yeah i am not i i agree with you um lou what do you think uh favorite tracks victim of changes the ripper deceiver and tyrant um full disclosure (laughs) but the versions on unleashed in the east are far superior now um, mind you, growing up, up until I was a college radio DJ and Koch Records sent us the reissues of Rock and Roll and Sad Wings of Destiny, the only Priest albums I really listened to up until that point were uh, British Steel, um, Screaming for Vengeance, and uh, Defenders of the Faith. And I knew Turbo, but that was a bit too glossy for me. Mm. Um, so oh, when it didn't I- lock you in. <laughs> no, you it didn't rock me all around the world property. either. <laughs> um, well, that's we'll get to, we'll we get, get to that. that come, <laughs> we'll get to that come turbo somewhere in time. But um, you know, when I when I first put on um, uh, Sad Wings of Destiny, I was like, "Oh, this is the Victim of Changes is on this." You know, like I, I I knew of it, but I I never heard it. 
So the moment I put it on, I was like blown away. I'm like, this is what priest sounded like, you know? And I, I immediately fell in love with it. To me, it was like a continue. I wouldn't even say it was a continuation of what, of what black Sabbath had started with heavy metal, but with this album, this is where I say that Judas priest was beginning to perfect heavy metal as a genre. So this is where the upward trajectory begins as, as, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I absolutely love it. I think it's a classic. Again, I still hold true to the fact that the live versions on Unleash in the East sound superior, but as a collection, I think it's something that's vital for every, you know, for everyone's CD or record collection. I would suggest it's a, it's a keeper, you know, and it's, it's a real historical um it's a it's a real historical documentation of you know where metal as a genre where it began to where it was at that point in time to where it would go so yeah no it's it's one of my top five favorite uh priest albums very very cool it's, a, it's got a really cool uh, album cover too I, I think i think it's actually one of my favorite priest album covers and they revisited the angel on future records. Right. Um, everyone's you know, apparently uh, the angel that's on painkiller and angel retribution. It started from this album. Uh, okay. So cool. Did not know that. You got something to say, Greg? No. Oh, I thought no. You say that. Just, uh, well, I, what he said. I agree with yes. Lou. Yeah. The, the the definitive versions are definitely on Unleashed in the East. I cannot stress that enough. That is one of the best albums of all time. And Manny, what you were saying? What? I, I think if we ever do a history of heavy metal hard rock, it will be a very interesting conversation yeah. because what was going because the genre hadn't really defined itself yet. And like Lou pointed out, this was the albums that helped define itself. I mean, critics back then were basically calling any band they had, it was a heavy metal band. Alice Cooper, heavy metal, Aerosmith. Mm-hmm. And it was it was basically saying, this is like caveman music or whatever. Because it embodied... Dinosaur rock. Yeah. Because if you listen to Black Sabbath, even like Volume 4, Master Reality, there's a lot going on there musically. It isn't just heaviness for the sake of heaviness. And same thing with this album with Judas Priest. So... I agree with Lou, and I do think it's a classic, and I think it belongs in every collection and if you're a hard rock fan, including James, who will get used to the high-pitched singing at some point in his life. Anyway. Here, here. <laughs> Annie, I, I believe you have way more faith in high-pitched singing than I do. Well, I'm a defender of the faith. Anyway, go ahead, Wayne. <laughs> uh, and well thank you played, for taking Well lead. played. Yes, I, I grooved that fastball right there for you. Uh, third uh, Judas Priest album, Sin After Sin, released uh, April 8th, 1977, and is their major label debut on Columbia Records. Produced by Deep Purple bassist Roger Glover, who the band would fire after one session, only to be called back after things weren't working out. Uh, and he all... still hasn't gotten paid for it. <laughs> is so that true? Claims. Yeah, but anyway. yeah, it is true. Oh, wow. Uh, it's also the only album to feature Simon Phillips on drums. Alan Moore was let go because the band didn't feel like his style was evolving with the band. And the album title came from the song Genocide, which I mentioned earlier before. Uh, go ahead, Lou. How did you go first? Right, first of all, let me just say Simon Phillips is one of the best drummers that freaking Judas Priest ever played with on record. 
I think his playing on it helped make the record sound as good as it does. I mean, this is a guy who's played with members of the who, um, you know, he's, and I think he was 17 when he recorded his uh, drum parts, you know, it's a shame that he didn't um, stay on board or that he was only hired as a session drummer. Um, But sin after sin has so many classic songs in their repertoire um, oh, one thing I will say, I just wanted to piggyback on uh, Sad Wings of Destiny. The fact that they still play Victim of Changes, I, I'm happy about that. Nice. I'll take that over the ones that I hear on the radio all the time. Right. But this album has Sinner. It's got Starbreaker, Let Us Pray, Call for the Priest, and my favorite Judas Priest song of all time, Dissident Aggressor. That is the, I would say that song and Sabbath, Symptom of the Universe, are the beginning of what we would know in the next decade as thrash metal, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. And um, a great cover of Joan Baez's Diamonds and Rust to, um, you know, top off, aside from all the other tracks. And you kind of hear little inklings of Rob Halford's um, sexual orientation in the song Raw Deal. subtle subtle he came out of the closet in six minutes which don't get me wrong is is great especially for the time period was i'm I'm happy he was able to do it and be proud of it but it it just kills me how people are like oh it's subtle or what no it's not subtle well you know what i i didn't catch it as a kid i didn't have you know i just took it as a a kid manny you were a kid you didn't under you didn't understand that that was even a lifestyle no actually you're right you're right but um it's kind of funny i i'm a lyric guy but judas priest is one of those bands that I kind of know what he's singing, but I'm not always paying attention to what he's actually singing about. Right. Hence why I went over your Look head. A hard this, voice. Hey, bar for me a Well, I yeah, as a 52 year old <laughs> guy, I get that now. But when I was 14. That would have never occurred to me, you know. Like, but I mean, I'm surprised you guys can listen to the lyrics over the high pitched singing. So I mean, you know. <laughs> well, Jesus, I'm I'm sorry that you have acute hearing. I mean, would you like a doggy bone? <laughs> Anyway, yeah, yeah, I want a shot collar more like it or a freaking shot of bourbon so I can forget it. Yeah, right away. <laughs> Anyways, um, but to conclude what I was saying, I love this freaking record. Again, one of my top five favorite Priest albums. And um, yeah, can't say enough good things about it. So, so I'm going to assume, James, you'll never join us on a King Diamond show. Okay, here, here, here I say, <laughs> I love King Diamond's gimmick. I, I and you know I enjoy the the music of it. I can't. I, it's it's a, it's a singing no no. It's a it's a it's a no for me, dog. All right, it's different strokes for different <laughs> folks. All right, you know, just like Rob Halford, different strokes for different folks, dog. It's not for me. All right, what do you think of uh, Sin After Sin? Great musically, uh, the uh, the singing just took me out of it. I, I really had trouble getting into this album. Wow. There were some good songs in there, but I don't remember them because it just. <laughs> Uh, now see this rock. one I, I thought you would have found some more stuff because it is kind of disco no no i enjoyed more, more the the sad wings than i did wow. this oh, Boy, james you're gonna have a problem with bruce dickinson when we get to him anyway go ahead oh james. trust me I, I i know very much about bruce dickinson <laughs> one, one thing i want to say though starbreaker yeah. was performed on the epitaph tour their supposed farewell tour um really did they do the, the, the claps 
No, they did not. <laughs> Thank God. And it sounded great. That was Richie Faulkner's <laughs> first tour with the band. And uh, I was just so happy to hear that song. They did one song from each album for the, for that tour. So that was oh, great. That would have been cool, actually. Yeah. Uh, two and a half hours. One of the It was probably the best I ever saw them. So. Right. I've got Starbreaker on a, some collection they released overseas, a live version where they stuck together the B-sides. There's nothing rare on it. It's, you know, live cuts, whatever. Sounded mm-hmm. pretty good. Anyway, go ahead, Wayne. I interrupted. Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. Could, couldn't tell what you were saying. That's all. But uh, the, so I had Unleashed in the East way before I had this one and Stained Class and the other albums that surrounded. For whatever reason, this one was a little hard to find. But when I did first get it and I first put it on, I absolutely hated the first side of this record because it's so vastly different from how they would sound. Um, It's not a terrible album by any means. I do like it. It does have some classic songs on it, but there's a couple of things that really bother me about this. And I know it's transitional, so I try not to be too hard on them, but um, the songs on here don't all flow last rose of summer totally comes out of nowhere on side one and he's doing something different with his vocals too and it just totally destroys the whole flow of the album but to begin with it's kind of disjointed because it comes in with something fast and aggressive kind of leaning towards where they would solidify on the next album but not all of the band is playing as fast and aggressive as Halford singing and Simon Phillips is playing drums throughout the whole song. And that can kind of get really annoying on the slower parts because it almost sounds like they're playing two separate songs. I still like it, but that's one thing that bothers me about um, Sinner on this record, especially. It still sounds great, but it kind of sounds like they don't know what the fuck they're doing until they get to the end part of the song. And then everyone's coming in together at the same time and all the time. But uh, also, the disco backbeat to Diamonds and Rust, which I... (laughs) It's an interesting cover. They do a great job with it. But Unleashed in the East is definitely the superior version. And this definitely sounds like an attempt at a radio song, which is what it was. And that's why... Roger Glover encouraged them to record it and thought it was a great idea. I mean, they did do a great job with it and had uh, done a version before around the rock and roll time. But uh, yeah, that uh, 70s disco radio radio influence just doesn't do it for me on that. <laughs> but Greg, then, what you're saying is, is that you don't like Kisses, I Was Made For Loving You? When Kiss did I Was Made For Loving You, they were at least in sync with each other. And it was kind of expected because uh, the previous album was kind of disco. Yeah, and it, so. and it was expected. And all of Dynasty kind of follows along that line. It doesn't yeah. go from Sinner into... <laughs> yeah. I like Dynasty. So, I like and, Dynasty, too. Right. Um, the hand claps don't really bother me all that much in Starbreaker. I wish they weren't there. It doesn't need it. But that's not like the cardinal sin for me on yeah. this one. um side two i think is really where it picks up though except for um even though i like raw deal it goes it kind of goes back to this boogie beat that's more reminiscent of what they were doing on rockarola and it just 
the guitars and the drumming fit, but overall the tone of the song is just really different from the rest of the songs that surround it. Like here come the tears is a ballad, but it still is very heavy and has that menacing tone to it. Like let us pray, call for the priest and then dissident aggressor do. So it's just kind of disrupts otherwise what's a really good dark flow on uh side two of the original album but um i like it it's a good record it's not their best they were definitely still figuring things out and trying different things as it was their major label debut and uh maybe went a little bit too far with some of the experimentation here and as good as simon phillips is and i love his drumming he's a great drummer and he does an awesome job here I don't think they had enough time to gel as a unit before they recorded this because he just seems so much further ahead of where they are for the most part. But it's still a good album. Still has plenty of classic songs. Just not one of my favorites. Manny? I like Sin After Sin, but first time I heard it, um, I didn't love it. I didn't hear Unleashing the East first. I heard this first. Um, I didn't love it. I'm not a big fan of Roger Glover as a producer. I mean, he's produced quite a few albums. I, I don't really like that dry sound he has on albums. Um, it took me a while to get used to it. Um, it wasn't something that connected with me right away. Um, it's. I definitely think it's a good album. I, I think it would be a great album if the production was better, or maybe they took a little more time. Uh, Simon Phillips is actually, um, as you guys point out, pretty impressive drummer. He played with Jeff Beck. You play with Jeff Beck. You ain't no slouch, you know. Um, and yeah, he was hired as a session guy. I don't know if, if Rob Halford or Clint Tipton knew him or maybe um, Roger Glover brought him in because, you know, Roger Glover was in Deep Purple. We're huge. I don't know. Um, but I think he did a fantastic job. I think the songs are great. I think they're let down by the production. Um I never noticed a disco beat in diamonds and rust, so I have to go back. Not and really, a disco beat. It just, it just feels like an overall disco type song. I don't know. It's hard you, to describe. You guys it's never totally know what a disco, disco beat is. It's an essential one. Well, yes, it's what four four, but yeah, you know, I mean, it's it, the song itself. Joan Baez wrote about a relationship with Bob Dylan. I mean, that's why uh, the lyrics are interesting to hear, Rob. You know. And, you know, there you are on the telephone, hearing your voice. Like, anyway, we can go on. But um, I'll be damned. Here comes your ghost again. Sorry, yeah. I, help it. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, it, it's I mean, it really is one of those major put down songs of relationship. You know, basically, you know, you're a complete bastard. You're so good with words. Where, where are they now? Anyway, you're such a bastard. <laughs> I mean, what was what was more of a vicious song, this or "You're So Vain" by Carly Simon? Who knows? Uh, probably this one because you're so vain. You can take it. You're, a little you're so vain is is very transparent and, and very uh, upfront. You know, it's like kind of like the "You Ought to Know" of the seventies. Okay, well, we know that we know that "You're So Vain" was about Warren Beatty, but I'm not convinced that "You Ought to Know" was about Dave Coulier. I doubt it. It's, it's uh, Dave Goulier, all right? He's Canadian star, all right? Do not go on this. Cut it out. Moving right along. <laughs> I don't uh, know. I, I didn't like the production on it overall, but I like I like the album. Um, um, 
quite a bit. It's not my favorite Judas Priest, but I, I will put it up. I still would rank it pretty high. So obviously I'm a major Judas Priest fan. Roger Glover did produce a lot of Rainbow Records once he uh, joined yes, them, correct? Yes, he did. Yeah, See, he did. it's funny because I definitely hear a similarity in production quality between this and those. So I get they what you're saying about the dry. It's very dry, very clean, um, like too shiny in a way. Yep. I do yeah, like I, it, but I see, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I, I think it, it's a little too clean. I'm not saying, you know, Judas Priest doesn't need a John Mutt Lang. They need a, well, we'll get to it when we get to the next album, but they, they need a producer who understands them. I think Roger Bain was a better fit than uh, Roger Glover was um, as a producer, in my opinion. Uh, let me see. Oh, I almost forgot. This what? is the... Uh... This is their first album of several that Roslaw Sabo did the uh, cover art for. Oh, it's a great cover. It's a great cover. Yeah. Yep, and he would also design their Forever logo, basically, on the next record, too. Uh, Mercy, Murph, Murphyful Fate. Judas Priest has a knack for doing cover songs as Judas Priest songs and often outshining the original. I kind of do agree on that. Yeah, I, I will not disagree with that. Because they I'm made that song disagree. their own. Except basically. Johnny B. Good. Oh, yes. That, wow. that's, that song don't you know exist. what? I, when we get to it, <laughs> I will defend that song. But anyway, keep going. Oh, oh you're, you're a man on, a, on an island. That's all I'm going to say. An island of domination. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Enough with the puns. That's my gig. Not yours. Remember that. <laughs> uh, I do like this album for the most part. And actually, I really like most of you guys. I didn't like it when I first heard it. And I remember uh, Ralph Vieira, Dr. Fuck. Who we just released a kiss video of Unholy uh, yesterday. So go check that out on the channel. Um, he actually posted a picture of him. You know, he was listening to this, that album one night or whatever. And I, I said something sarcastically because I really didn't care for this album too much. So, of course, he said something sarcastic back to me. But uh, after listening to it um, a couple of days ago, I actually do like it a little bit more now. Uh, like the song Sinner, I really like that a lot. Uh, I think it's a really good opening track. And my favorite part is that guitar solo in the middle of the song. Those two uh, dueling guitars. I love oh, it's that. killer. It is. Yeah, it's just killer. Yeah, it's great. Uh, and Diamonds Rust, I love the original, the, uh, the other version that was on the best of or whatever. Uh, I really never heard the one unleashed in the East, uh, but I like the other version. What it sounds more like Priest Wood, Which, right? And, and uh, honestly, the the rock and roller version on the best of um, the blues rock, I I like right. better than this one too. Yeah, definitely. I, it's just heavier, and it just uh, it's not so. It, I, I don't know. It's that goes. Sound. It sounds like they were going to be on after KC and the Sunshine Band on Dick Clark's <laughs> top fucking 40. It just, well, uh, well, remember hey now, re- that is my top fucking 20. That's a request of Greg Dargo. Suck well, my cock. Remember, we're still talking about a period prior Criminals to. Going. Right. Criminals and Dick Clark. <laughs> we're still talking about a period prior to um, what Rush sang about in Spirit of Radio, where programming was becoming all the thing and you had to play the same 40 tracks over and over again metal yeah. bands were playing with singer songwriters back in the day yeah. and they were playing with bands that you normally wouldn't think would sound like them i mean priest is open for kiss they've opened for uh led zeppelin sabbath opened for james taylor or it was vice versa so you know and back then it wasn't odd to see a band that's more on the harder side play with someone who's singing fire and rain so no i think you know, one of that was the 70s 
first American Tours was actually with REO Speedwagon. It was. That is correct. It was correct. Yep. And Gary Richrath was an awesome guitar player. Rest in peace. And those guys in REO Speedwagon are pretty cool guys. I mean, they've, they've, I'm not an REO Speedwagon fan, but they said some pretty nice things about Judas Priest. And they said they're very proud they took them on that first tour. So to me, I think that's cool, you know. Um, especially since Judas Priest eclipsed him in popularity and sales. I mean, you know, so last oh. rose of the summer, I thought was, uh, well, we're okay. 1981. No afterwards. Yeah. You're talking mm-hmm. about overall catalog. Um, last rose of the summer. I like that song. It's a little too long. I kind of agree with Greg. It just comes out of, it seems like, Oh, we've got this ballad. Let's throw it somewhere. So they just chucked it on there somewhere. Um, <laughs> Is, is so I kind of agree with them. And I also agree that Roger Glover as a producer, it didn't need to be five minutes. It could have been three minutes or right. whatever. It, it didn't need to be that long. You know, I mean, all he does is say last rose of summer over and over again. You know, okay, I get it. It's the last rose of the summer, Rob. But he has Move to really make that point. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know. uh, Murphy Full Fate said rat open for Billy Squire. Huh. That's pretty neat. Right. Although Billy Squire was huge. Rat and Billy Squire, especially if we're talking early 80s Billy Squire, that's still closer in sound than Judas Priest and Ario Speedwagon. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Ario Speedwagon, I don't know. Lou, were you a fan of the early stuff? Because they're pretty. Yeah, I don't know. Weren't they a little heavier before they became, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, they they weren't a heavy metal band, but, you know can't stop loving you or whatever those sissy songs are you know, um right keep on loving you and i uh, can't fight this feeling anymore you confuse the songs no i mean you know they, they were a harder rock band which is why like the only three reo songs you hear on the radio nowadays are those two and uh, take it on the run so you know i guess anything before that is considered too demonic i don't know but uh, yeah, I mean, they, they were a harder rock band. I mean, a, a lot of hard rock guitar players that came out in the wake of Ario Speedwagon's beginning were in, highly influenced by Gary Richrath. You know, enough about Ario Speedwagon. Yeah, Let's why talk. are we talking about Ario? We're talking about Judas Priest. <laughs> no, I'm trying to finish here. Uh, Starbreak Manny. Cool song. Manny, stay focused. Sweat my ass off. Let's keep rolling. <laughs> I want to see how long you can last about that fan on. Uh, Starbreaker. Like, the song's okay, but like we mentioned before, the clapping is very annoying. Uh, Last Rose of Summer, not a bad ballad. Let Us Pray, Call for the Priest. Uh, very similar to Exciter. Uh, except with a different intro again i really like this the dual guitar thing in the beginning uh and then halford oh at the end and then halford singing over that i think it's really cool uh raw deal sometimes songs just name themselves uh here comes the tears nice ballad but one thing i'm not crazy about is halford screams before the solo part that's freaking annoying those screams those great it's like it was, okay, the bathroom. if it sounded like that way that I'm would awake. be annoyed <laughs> uh, it was yeah, close. I, I it was close. that was really cool no yeah, that one's annoying it's very annoying thank you <laughs> oh and uh music is life podcast says no more ario talk all right fine we won't <laughs> uh, you know what i actually would rather talk about ario speedwagon <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. it's always gotta be that one guy 
Uh, here comes the tears. Nice battle. One thing I'm not crazy about is how oh, wait, I did that already. This is an aggressor classic priest song and race with the devil now a terrible song, but for some reason seems a little underdeveloped or something. Actually, I could hear like it's actually of... a cover of a song oh, by called Gun and um Girl School basically did the definitive version of it about six years later. I had no idea. But um I like that I like the priest version. Um, but you're right, it sounds sounds a little underdeveloped, but that's actually from the stained class sessions because when they turned the album into the record label they said they felt it was too dark and bleak and they wanted them to record a cover song and they uh chose to do two potentially one was race with the devil which didn't make it better by you better than me did end up making the album oh, which i think was the better choice absolutely another so 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 what i'm getting from a general you know synopsis from everybody is that this album was was not developed properly and did not fit properly and that mm, i don't think so correct yeah. it's kind it's kind of a hodgepodge of different things and it's directly in the middle of them becoming fully judas priest so, so, so if you're saying is this would be the great like jeopardy a, category called potpourri sure <laughs> It's like a transition, a transitional album. Yeah, transitional album, yeah. yeah. Well, that was the great thing about the seventies is record companies would actually deliver up careers and would allow them at least two or three, sometimes four albums to to create to deliver up their sound and also you know create an audience. Um, yeah. that's out the window nowadays. Oh yeah, but oh no, we have SoundCloud now. Come on. Well, it's kind of, it's short term thinking. I mean, if you're a young band, uh, I don't know. I I just think nowadays. I mean, I, I get not recorded maybe an album every year, though I wish people would. But you know, every four or five years, so you're 15 when the, your first album comes out. Next time the next one comes out, you're 21. That's you know. Anyway, that's another yeah. story. But uh, yeah, Frank Zap. I was gonna say Frank. Murphy full fate. He's got to change his name. Murphy full fate. <laughs> Last rose is Frank Zappa. Murphy. Murphy has a really cool flow, a cool flowy guitar line, and it's why I like this song. So he likes uh, Last Rose of Summer. It does have a cool guitar line. He's I, right. I it does. Admit, it's not a terrible it's, song. It's not a horrible song overall. It just does not fit with the rest of the album right. anyway. Mm. And it's not just that it's a ballad because. They did a ballad in Here Come the Tears that they were able to approach in a heavier manner. They just didn't do it here and it's out of place. Yeah. It's like a, some kind of cabaret song. I could see him coming out from behind the curtains and leaning against the oh, piano. Oh, a dancing skeleton? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Some folks. Ellis. Not as cool as that. Uh, what were you saying, Lou, before I interrupted you twice? I was going to say that Frank Zappa said it best when he said that the record industry was great when you had a bunch of fat guys in offices chomping cigars, just giving money to artists saying, yeah, go ahead. If it's what the kids like, go ahead, just give it up. Well, what happened was the kids that realized that they were tastemakers decided what was popular. And that's when the music industry industry started dying. So no, Gene Simmons, you're wrong. Rock is not dead because of the fans. It's because of the jackass music industry. Thank you very much. Resume. Right. Iron Maiden Killers released February 2nd, 1981. It was the first album with Adrian Smith and the last to feature Paul Diano on vocals. He was let go from the band due to his alcohol and drug abuse. Uh, it was also the first Iron Maiden album to be produced by Martin Birch, uh, who would produce their albums up through Fear of the Dark. Um, let's go with James. 
All right, let's go, baby. I took have notes. notes. I took you, notes. You, you always take the notes on the Iron Maiden albums, which is kind of funny. Well, it's, it's only because, and, and I'll be and I'll be perfectly honest, um, they have the easier intros to do, and I also didn't have uh, so many of them like Judas Priest did, so I didn't want to be writing a whole manifest while doing this. So I will admit this. My listening to this, for some reason, Amazon decided just to mix all the songs so I know it doesn't flow. So I'm not dogging that at all. Bring that on. Bring on that whatever that mummified hate, that freaking that most overrated mascot in metal history ever. <laughs> hey, bring it on. <laughs> bring it on. The coolest all right, mascot so, in history. Come on. Ides of March. Yeah. Cool well, intro. I know. Like, how could that be? Oh, yeah. That I mean, I'm not, cool. not going to, honestly, I'm not going to hate on this because, like, I actually enjoy some of the songs on this. Okay. So I know it's shocker. But uh, Wrathchild, why wasn't this on the last album? Wrathchild's actually a really good song. Why did I have to suck through all the rest of those songs? That's actually really good. <laughs> Murders on Rue Mountain. What? Mur- Marauders. What, what the Murders in the Rue Morgue. Murders in the Rue Morgue. Yeah, whatever, whatever. For Rue Mountain, it says There's Rue no mountains on Iron Maiden. <laughs> Just like they are in Florida. <laughs> anyway, oh, yeah, Amazon so. can't spell. <laughs> Amazon can't what? spell. Well, you cool intro. Thinking? It's really funny that they're playing all too fast for the singer because they, like, you can tell like the singer's trying to keep up to the song. They're going think- way too damn fast. It feels really punk punk inspired, like inspired, like it's like almost you know like they're playing over the over the lyricist, and I enjoy and I enjoy that part of it. So I didn't mind it. Purgatory, I'm in this. They're high. They're they're hiding the keeping the beat the beat fancy better. <laughs> like like from last album they're hiding it better cool guitar solo don't ever high yell ever please for the love of god oh my god that singer please really? do not do it it was awful genghis khan now say i would think you would like him his higher screams than like yes uh, i did yeah. i did however he does not need to do it either he really does it it sounds awful i like how he does genghis khan if lather rinse and repeat was a song <laughs> Genghis Khan is it? Oh, I'll kill you once. Bring it on. Listen to the same album. Yes, you did. Innocent Exile. I liked it, but what the hell is the bass player doing in the song? What? What the hell is he doing? He's not making any fucking sense. It is the most chopped up thing. It's like it's like he's missing notes halfway through the damn song. Actually, that's one of my favorite Steve Harris bass lines, but okay. When he's not hitting it, it sounds like shit. And maybe it's just because I can hear it, but okay. Potical okay, song. first of all, Steve Harris and missing bass notes do not comply. Yeah. All right, whatever. Well, you can say your that headphones it sounds work? like shit. Are your anyway. headphones working? Yes, they were. They were in my car <laughs> while I was driving. All right. Prodigal Son. Song of Son. What the fuck it was called? <laughs> He's so pissed. I was, he came I was literally typing this as I was driving, so get off me. <laughs> All right. How many innocent like, women did you kill? Uh, <laughs> too many. They hurt more than this album deserved. Anyway, uh, I like the style of the song. What the fuck are the lyrics singing? What the fuck is that? <laughs> Drifter, please make it stop. <laughs> another, another life. More of their good shit, less of their bad shit. If you know about Jim Cornette, what, that saying from Jim Cornette, you would get that line. And then Killers, punk intro. Eh, it's an okay Maiden song. I liked it. It wasn't bad. 
<laughs> oh, so the the version they have on Amazon doesn't have Twilight Zone because he screams higher on that than he does in Purgatorio. Nope. No, it does not. Oh, I forgot about Twilight Zone. There, there is a version on it with Twilight Zone on it. Just uh, it was on my record. Well, was that it, on it the was, American? It was version? on all the original American and Japanese press. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Well, I didn't hear. I didn't hear it. So thus, I cannot judge it. But those were those were my notes. That's what I heard. Wrong. You, you can say I'm wrong. <laughs> I don't give a shit. Well, James, overall, what what do you feel about the album as a whole? Much better than the first one. Okay. Major step forward. I like the sound better. I see why they got rid of the original lead guitarist because it just it fits better. I get it. That it sounds better. Sounds like somebody like locked them in and was like, okay, we got to make this sound a little bit more coherent or something. They 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 were able to lock them down and make it a better album. So I will say that it was much better to listen to than the first one. Interesting. Cool. Uh, detec- Detective John Kimball, you idiot. Uh, Priest. Uh, is better than made him for, for him. Uh, well, they definitely you. didn't get to be a detective of music, I'll tell you that. Much. <laughs> and Murphy says, uh, Steve Harris has a very clicky bass style that is pretty singular to him. Uh, could sound, uh, sound could be better. Sound could be, I don't know what that, he wrote wrong. Uh, sound could be He's better. He's saying you could basically be better or worse. You know, it's like well, it, it, it wasn't. It wasn't. I don't think. I, I mean, like, I, I, I know. I can hear clicky bass styles. I play bass. I know. I know what I'm hearing. It's just that song. I don't know what the fuck happened, but it just like it sounded like a jumbled mess to me. So, uh, uh, Manny, I, I love the album Killers. I think it's definitely an improvement over the first one. Martin Birch is a lifesaver. I agree with him. Bringing uh, uh, Adrian's. Uh, not Adrian Smith, sorry. Um, yeah, it is Adrian yeah, it Smith. Is Bringing a, Adrian Smith in was uh, a stroke of genius. Um, songwriting's great. Also, this album, in my opinion, shows why Clark, Cliff Burr is such an underrated drummer. I mean, the way he uh, he clicks with Steve Harris, it's a shame whatever personal issues these two guys had, it didn't last. But amazing, amazing drummer. Um, and I think Paul Diano, I think he was a great vocalist. In some ways, I like him better than Bruce Dickinson, but I personally don't think that if they had kept Paul Diano, they would have broken as big internationally. He's not as charismatic as Bruce Dickinson was. Um, Bruce Dickinson has more of a commercial voice, I guess, for lack of a better word. But overall, I like the album a lot better. Um, There's a few songs I don't care for, um, but... um, Rathchild, excellent. And it's an exile, excellent. The title track is excellent. Um, and again, uh, the I love the versions on uh, Made, Made in Japan EP. I think the live versions of that are superior to the studio versions. Granted, it's an EP. I've got a bootleg with the entire performance, but overall, I like it. Anyway. Uh, uh, Lou, I'm letting Greg go last because this is, uh, well, I don't want to give it away. All right. Uh, but before I begin, I want to just res- respectfully disagree with Manny that obviously it, uh, that, you know, they needed Bruce to become more popular. I think it's safe to say that Maiden were on their way to popularity with Diana because first, you know, National European Tour was opening for Kiss. Um, Killers was their first album to make its debut in the Billboard Top 200 True. tour Japan, tour of the United States, opening for Judas Priest. 
they were on their way. Um, I, I personally think because of the strength of the songs that they were writing, that even if they did Number of the Beast with Diano, or even if they did a third album with Diano, they still would have gone upwards. But that's just my opinion. Uh, the reason why Diana quit was because he felt like it was the Steve Harris, Rod Smallwood band. And he said that it wasn't fun for him anymore. So they just gave him 30,000 bucks, um, no future royalties. And he went on his way. But um, I have to give praise to Maiden because they just paid off the rest of uh, Paul Diano's leg surgery. So good on Iron Maiden for that. Um, that is cool. Uh, yeah, that is really cool. Um so just to let you know what a Maiden fanboy I am, the original album, the last one to have uh, Sanctuary on the release, the best of the B-sides, just so I could have the B-sides from the original five albums, two versions of Killers. One is the Castle release, thank you, Wayne, which actually has Women in Uniform, Invasion, live version of Phantom of the Opera, and the five songs of... Um, made in Japan that were released in the United States only because the Japanese European one um, only had four, uh, four out of those five songs. And this is the last American reprint to have um, Twilight Zone on it since Twilight Zone was a single, not an album cut. Also the Purgatory single that has the four cuts of made in Japan and a bootleg CD version of the Soundhouse tapes which has a shit ton of unreleased Maiden stuff on their actual albums. Iron Maiden's, Iron Maiden's Killers is my third favorite album of all time, right under Van Halen's Fair Warning and Ozzy's Diary of a Madman, just above Def Leppard's High and Dry. I love this album. There is not a bad song on it. James, I love you, but you're wrong. Um, <laughs> okay to be wrong, Lou. It's all right, bro. That's okay. Um, but, you know... I'm not saying that Maiden didn't do great after this album, but for me, hearing this for the first time as a six-year-old, it made a huge impact on me. And, you know, again, credit to the lineup that they had at the time. I still say to this day that Clyde Burr is my favorite Iron Maiden drummer, and Adrian Smith only added to the greatness of, 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 their, of, of the band. And Martin Birch, you couldn't ask for a better producer for Maiden. All due respect to Kevin the Caveman, surely no, there isn't. Martin Bur- Martin Birch is the definitive Maiden producer, so Absolutely. you know, Killers had all the elements that made it work. Watch out, Lou! There's a killer behind you. There's a what? Killer behind you. He lunges. Prepare for attack. He'd be doing me a favor. <laughs> so you really think he went with Paul Diano? I mean, Paul Diano is a great vocalist, but in my opinion, I don't think. In, at least in the United States, I don't think they would have made it as big with him. And I'm a huge fan of Paul Diano um, than they did with Bruce Dickinson. That's just, you know, uh, you know, but I always, I just think that was uh, interesting. I mean, you are right. They were on their way up. It wasn't like, you know, they were on a downward trip, you know, but I don't think they would have, I don't think they would have fizzled if that's what you're asking. No, I don't think they would have fizzled, but I don't know if they would have broken the States in the way that they did uh, with gold and platinum albums with Paul Diano. I mean, I know eventually Iron Maiden and Killers went platinum over here, I'm pretty sure. But I, I could have used, used one more album with Diano. I think that would have been great, actually. But 
Um, it couldn't have been Number of the Beast, though. I can't see him doing a lot of those. Songs. No, I no, guess there's, I he guess, could have done most of some it. Some of them. Some of them. Like, I don't know, though. His voice is so different than Bruce Dickinson. I have a hard time imagining him. Uh, I would I would rather hear Paul try to do Children of the Dam than ever hear Bruce right. sing for tomorrow. Again. Yeah, that that's mm-hmm. my one bone of contention. I'm sick of hearing Rathchild at Iron Maiden concerts. You know, because I saw the Final Frontier tour. They were supposed to play Passchendaele. By the time they got to New York, they dropped Passchendaele from the set list and replaced it with Rothschild. That pissed me off because I didn't want to hear Rothschild for the millionth time again. I, I saw them on their early days tour, and they actually did Another Life and Drifter. And they opened, if they did a full-length tour, uh, a full-length show, uh, they would have opened yep. with Murders in the Room Morgue as opposed to Rothschild. Oh, yep. That would have been interesting. Yes, they did. It was very cool. So then you must have seen the Ozfest that year. Yes. Okay. Well, I saw them twice. I saw them on their own, which was the full set, and then Ozfest because they were playing before Black Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Shorter set. Uh, Greg, I'm going to let you go. I'll let you go. I'll be there. Well, Lou, first of all, I find it very strange but interesting that we both heard this when we were six. (laughs) This was my first heavy metal album ever, and I was instantly fucking enthralled with it. I was just looking through my dad's records for whatever reason. See this cover, you know, with just Eddie looking super badass with the hatchet, the blood dripping off of it and the pooling hands and then just all the neat stuff in the background like the ruskin arms pub you know the black cat in the window the kinky sex shop just i very... love the little easter eggs that derek riggs threw in there they're all great yes At, um, and you know so it's it's hard to say because my top three albums you know diamond head lightning of the nation black sabbath born again iron maiden killers they could all switch position depending on my mood but this is probably still my favorite album of all time but um and it's not just because it was a formative thing and i heard it early but i mean this is a 10 out of 10 it's just great everything just comes together here adrian smith was that missing piece and it's it's definitely one of clive's and especially paul diano's shining moments um you know murders in the room org which is maybe my favorite iron maiden song ever like, I don't hear what James hears. I, th- I think Paul's great and right in step with the rest of them. But, um, you know, and on Innocent Exile, like you mentioned, it just, it sounds odd because of what Steve's doing, playing along to uh, Clive's Tom Phil's, but it's actually pretty amazing and cool sounding to me, the way they're keeping that together. And then, you know, Adrian comes in on this and totally makes that classic sound, just the way he melds with dave and the way they're they're doing twin leads but they're not playing the exact same thing they're doing things that complement the other player at the same time and that's just awesome best twin twin guitar team outside of thin lizzy you know they just took that and approved or improved on it so much and you know, it's really, this is just fully that distinctive maiden sound and laid the groundwork. It's just, it's explosive. Every instrument is top notch. Paul's on the top of his game. The songwriting's excellent. Even the uh, slower one where he's singing an ode to the pagan god Lamia, by the way, James, that's what that's about. Um, 
you know, I thought that was a great moment, a, a slower one, but it just showed off their prowess. Would you say that Adrian Smith and Dave Murray are a better guitar team than uh, Glenn Tipton and KK Downing? Oh, there's no question about that. I mean, Glenn and KK are good, but they're nowhere near as interesting to me as uh, Dave and Adrian. They're ju- Dave and Adrian are just so much more in tune and they have different strengths where they complement each other better where Adrian's more melodic and he stretches out a little bit more. Whereas KK and Glenn, despite being slightly different, were pretty much in the same style. And because of that, while I do like a lot of the twin guitar stuff in Judas Priest, it's just not as interesting to me as what Maiden was capable of. With you, like Adrian. The, you like the symmetry rather than the, the actual dullness of, act, of having both of them play similar but different. You like the symmetry of Iron Maiden's guitars. Yes, they're, they're building like yes. a, a soundscape. It is It is a fuller sound, I will agree. I agree it's a fuller sound, but I, I disagree. I find KK and Glenn a little bit more interesting than I do uh, Smith and uh, Murray. You know? But I do agree with well, you, well. Greg, that, yeah, it definitely is. It's definitely a thicker, bigger sound with Iron Maiden and the... Uh, I mean, to, I mean, we can take two songs right now, even though it's from a later album, but uh, Free Will Burning, you know, they basically just repeat. It sounds cool because they're wailing, but they just basically repeat the same thing after each other over and over. Whereas on like Another Life, it just it has a fuller sound to it where it's slightly different. And yeah, well, it also helps that Martin Birch is a superior producer than uh Tom Allum or whatever his name is, who is a good oh, producer yeah. too. I'm not going to put him down. Um, but, but those two bands, uh, I guess we'll talk about it down the road, but the fact that they're compared and we're doing it too, we're, but we're doing it for fun. I don't really see that much similarity other than what you said, that they became popular around the same time, you know, in the early 80s. Well, so. you, you can hear a lot of Freese influences from those uh, 70s albums and both killers and the first iron maiden record though yeah yeah but iron maiden made it their own you know i agree with you it's not like it's not a crocus thing where you know you pick up a crocus album you play name that riff you know that iron maiden's definitely not that no no. and what i was getting at is i think where the comparison comes in is where maiden definitely did their own thing and and that's another thing i think makes this so much stronger killers where it can beat out two albums they just they had it ready to go in the can and just were so much more focused on what they were doing whereas priest was kind of finding their sound but uh right shit i forgot my original point it's so fucking hot in here (laughs) uh are you done yeah because i can't remember what (laughs) that i was originally responding to it'll come back to you uh christ eric adams is back you can hear a lot of you can hear a lot please look at us we are like maiden from priest 1983 i don't know he's not even speaking english that doesn't even make any sense he doesn't doesn't, he doesn't speak a lot of english to begin with um i i think where the comparison comes in where people do it so heavily between the two of them is because even though maiden definitely took it and made it their own i think they're one of the clearest examples and one of the first bands that really grew out of the groundwork that Judas Priest specifically laid 
in the mid to late 70s. Makes sense. Okay. Very cool. Uh, Ides of March, uh, great intro. And did anybody know that actually um, Samson used that? Yeah, song? Barry yes. from Samson claims during the short while he was in the band, he came up with a drum riff and he wants to be credited on it because mm. Samson did their own version and he credited Steve, but they didn't. And what he seems like a stupid thing to complain about for me, but I guess if you're in Samson, it would be nice to be associated with Iron Maiden in some way. Well, Thunderstick was a member for all of one show, I think. Yeah, <laughs> that's why. That's why I refer to that as the Zoidberg defense. Someone paying attention to me. Uh, wow. But it's one a great show. driving intro, though. And Clive definitely yes. plays it better than uh, Perkis does. Oh, yeah. I listened to it earlier because I never heard of it before. And it's just like oh. kind of just generic. I love drumming. the new wave of British heavy metal, but I really don't care for Samson all that much. Yeah. I can't believe you dropped Thundersticks' real name. Oh, I couldn't remember his stupid uh, Barry Perkis. Thundersticks, <laughs> yeah. Well, Samson was in the business. Can you picture Bruce Dickinson saying, "And now I drum a Barry, I mean Thunderstick." <laughs> <laughs> Looks um, better with the mask on, don't he? He does. Uh, come on, live after death. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Rat Child, I love. I don't know. I mean, I I can understand you being sick of that song, Lou, because they play it all the time in in concerts. But um, I don't. I never get sick of that, especially when you hear that bass line. You know, just get you pumped. I'll up. tell you why I'm sick of it. Predominantly, I don't like the way Nico plays it. No, I can understand that. Yeah, he's and he he's very honest. You know about it, where he admits he can't play it like. Clive does, and he even right. sounds like he feels a little inferior. And he he does do a good job, but yeah, I'm like Lou. It, it bugs me a little bit to hear it live. Well, guys, I hate to leave it before it ends, but I have to leave for. Uh, so thank you for having oh, me on, okay. as usual. And uh, we will be back. I think it's actually uh, a good time to sk- good cue to skidoo there, there, Wayne. What? Well, Manny, give us your ratings real quick. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, boy. I thought I was going to lean more toward Judas Priest because I'm such a huge Judas Priest fan, but I'm going to give the slight win to main Iron Maiden Killers for the same reasons that you mentioned, Greg. I mean, they were it was fully formed. They're ready to go right out of the can. The production's better. And frankly, the songwriting's better. And I love Sin After Sin and Sad Wings of Destiny, but slight edge to Iron Maiden. And this will probably be the last time I give the edge to Iron Maiden, maybe. But I don't know, you know, but uh, and Paul Diano, um, underrated vocalist. Oh, before I go, Wayne, Lou, uh, not Lou, Greg, uh, do you agree with me or disagree with me? If they had hung on to Paul Diano, they would have made it as huge in the States. They would not have made it as huge in the end, but I still think Number of the Beast would have pretty much gone the same way and they still would have attained that next level. But um as much as I like Paul better than Bruce, they wouldn't have been able uh, to attain that arena level, evolve as forward as they were able to on Peace of Mind, Power Slave, Somewhere in Time, and Seventh Son. It's just not possible with him and his vocal style. And I think they needed to grow to attain that. Yeah, I'm, I'm agreeing with him too. And you can even see how uh, Diano's... Uh, after he left Maiden, how his uh, you know his career went. So really. oh, well, 
yeah, that's a different story. Yeah, ba- Battle Zone was legitimately pretty good, but it's I agree. Just, it was what okay. his voice is suited to just isn't the platinum success of power right. saver somewhere in time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. those albums could have been done. Killers better than both of those records. It's mm. just how it is. <laughs> Paul's self-titled Diana release that came out right after this was not good i, will admit I have that. it i was hoping no one would bring that up i'm gonna have heart users stuck in my head <laughs> yeah I, I i have that album and it's uh if you ever wanted to know what paul diana would sound like fronting a journey band that's really not good at being journey get the album i bought it by accident i originally thought it was a levi's catalog Actually, it's, it's, it's just sponsored by Levi's on the back or something. He yeah, is rocking okay. the Canadian tuxedo yeah. on it. Yeah. Well, he does sing good on it. It's just the songs are, um, you know, uh, well, they're shitty. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Be, be honest with you, he does a better job in an AOR record than I thought he would have. But yeah, they're just, they're not well-written songs. No, and and obviously they called it Diano for you know because he just left Iron Maiden. You know, I mean, yeah, he didn't even write any of the crap on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a DVD where they perform these songs. I should find a copy and send Live it to all you guys to see how long you last watching it. So. <laughs> I, I I didn't last watching. We could it. do that for I... Halloween. <laughs> you guys uh, could do that for Halloween. I'll go to a haunted house and torture myself that way. <laughs> And that was at the Capitol uh, Center, I yes, think. Yes, yes, or something like that. Yeah, yeah I, I, I've seen a couple of series of that of that tel- British television show. I saw that one, Magnum, Mama's Boys. Um, when I take Magnum over anything Paul Diano does, you know it was a bad concept. Well, I actually <laughs> bought it on DVD because I go, oh, I've never seen this before. And uh, I've never seen it since. It's still in the collection, but, you know. You know, I, I I will play it if I want guests to leave my house. Anyway, guys, <laughs> I will talk to you soon. On that night. note. And on that note. Night, Manny. Cool. All right, Bye. man. We'll see you uh, in two weeks. Uh, Wayne, Wayne, finish what you were saying about I'm the trying. record. Go ahead. Uh, Murders in the Rue Morgue. Uh, intro makes you think there's a ballad coming, but uh, nope, kicks into a really kick-ass song. I love everything about this. The guitar chords, the bass lines, the vocals always stick in my head. I know this yeah. song so good. It's just I, even, I sing along to the guitar chords, you know. It's it's yes, it's awesome. they're, they're that infectious on this album. Every chord, every riff, right? Just yeah. <laughs> Another life. This one's a bit different than the previous songs, but uh, there's basically no chorus, and there's a lot of uh, change, little changes in this song. But I like it. Genghis Kong. I don't like it as much as Transylvania, but it's almost there. There's a lot more going on in this one. I I like it, just not as much as Transylvania. Uh, but I love the song. I love when the song uh, speeds up and Clive is playing some pretty fast drum parts. Also, love towards the end of the song with that uh, echoey guitar solo thing, that melody. Oh, yeah, yeah I love that. I love that. Uh, his drumming's my favorite part of it, though. And I love how there's different parts and changes more so than Transylvania. I just I like, I, I like that too. But I, there's just something about Transylvania I just like more. I don't know. Uh, Innocent Exile again. There's no cor- there's a lot of no chorus on this whole album. There's, they have choruses. They, just they are, but it's not like uh, the typical Iron Maiden type chorus where like, it's like a big deal. Like you're waiting to get there. I think that's why I prefer it because some of it those might... choruses just get so damn repetitive. Right. No, exactly. And, and it, this album proves that you really don't need choruses because the songs stand on their own album. They have the ability to not be so damn repetitive, but uh, right. obviously they, they fix, they uh, break that again. Right. <laughs> oh yeah, I like I said, I can already see it coming. 
But uh, that's another song where the guitar work uh, gets stuck in my head. Killers, another classic main song. Love the intro uh, to this where it just builds up for over like a minute. Then the song kicks in. And uh, I already mentioned that. Prodigal's, Prodigal Son, not one of my favorite songs on the album, but it is a it is good and better than any of the Priest Ballad songs. Uh, this also showed that Diano could sing these type of songs. Cool song, nice trade-off guitar solo. Purgatory, the pace is picked up again for this song. And listening to this album, I realize uh, this might be the fastest made an album ever, really. Every song I seems like it a is, set, uh, I would agree with that. Yeah. Uh, it's like uh, one relentless song after the other. Love the chorus part in this song. And it's also uh, my favorite part where Clive is doing those Tom fills. Yes. There's a lot of hard things in there and, and he's doing a lot of like the, the the tom fills and then he's going back to the hi-hats and he's like all over the place i don't know and i think in one part he kind of did like stumble a little bit it's like really quick he does he he's yeah i know i know where you're talking about i mean it's less than half a second right go goes to do something realizes it's wrong and then goes back right <laughs> which song in purgatory in uh purgatory yeah it's the or first purgatory. it's the first like uh part where he does the first fills there's like a little yep. little hiccup there because he doesn't do it again on the second one. A slight one, but it's very I mean, it's very it slight. was. I liked it. <laughs> it it, fit, it works and it fits in there. But I, I sometimes was, mistakes are good. Yeah, they are. Um, blah, blah, blah. So I love that song. Sounds really cool. And I, I don't think Nico could pull that song off. No, no, I don't think he could do that part. I I don't think he could do Genghis Khan either. Uh, probably not. Uh, Twilight Zone. I didn't. It wasn't on the thing, but uh, I do love that song. It's a really cool Me song. Too. Yeah, I wish it would be on the the regular album. It should be. It it fits with the album. So I, I mean, for me, it is. I have the Japanese one. So yeah, yeah it's it's on my other ones too. Uh, Drifter. Uh, the song is very similar to Sanctuary and Iron Maiden, but uh, much better. Catchy guitar intro. There's a strange part in the middle where the guitars sound really happy, but then it changes back into the more darker tone, and uh, it's a really cool en- ending for the album. That, that that little happy like guitar thing. And it, yeah, I could see. Um, we, we, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, well, Steve, Steve Murray uh, put his smiling face playing that. Yeah, Dave Murray. Yeah. D- well, d- during that part, during the live shows, they would kind of slow it down on that is where Paul would talk to the audience and um, do the reggae chant. I, I can't remember which one of the early live EPs it is, but I have it on one of them. I, th- I think it's live plus one. But my mom would always mess with me because she said he used to piss her off because he just goes, yo, 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 over it's, and over. <laughs> it's the Sanctuary single. The Sanctuary yes. single yeah. had... Um, drifter live and it actually had their cover of montrose's i've got the fire yeah. which yeah. uh man that was a i, I never heard anyone that. do a hagar song better than that that was good me neither uh, i do like the version they did with bruce as a piece I did. Of, on peace of mind though mm-hmm. i will say he did do a good job on that but yeah paul's definitely the superior version Mm-hmm. And uh, eric adams says we're all out of the will but uh, most of us here like the iron maiden so i don't know what his problem is Oh, it's me. It's me. I'm out of the will. No, we said you're uh, all out of the will. Yeah, no, but I was already. Oh, yeah. Because we're praising <laughs> Deano over Dickinson. So. Yeah, he loves Dickinson. So. Yeah, he loves Dick something. Uh, yes. Detective John Multiple Kimball. So uh, when do we get more of Tolkien? I don't know. Whenever I feel like asking him to come well, on the We show. don't know what happened to him. <laughs> Nothing happened to him. Just me. I just haven't had time. Oh, so doesn't he have a kindergarten of police anyway? What's he bothering us for? <laughs> I'm Detective John Kimball, you idiot. It's I'm a not cop. a tumor. <laughs> Who is your daddy and what does he do? This is a ferret. 
but no, I, I boys will do a, have uh, a penis. Girls have a vagina. <laughs> Thank it's you. not a tumor. <laughs> I will have to uh, get a hold of Timo at some point. I, I do have to do something with him. But, so uh, I'm actually going to do something crazy here with with the rankings of this because go ahead. I I feel like the Judas Priest albums, even though we have two of them. I can't compare both of them. I, they're they're just two different, they're completely different, different albums. Right. So I put it's Sad Wings for me as, as number as number one for this week. Then it's Killers and then it's Sin. I just did not like Sin after Sin. So that's 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 the last place. I think Killers and, and Sad Wings are are very close to each other, which is which is me giving Iron Maiden way higher praise than I did last week or two weeks ago. So, yeah, I know, right? I mean, you can fist pump to that. Um, I love being right all the time. <laughs> it's a better album. It's a better album. They're better songs. It's less of the bad shit, more of the good shit. So, I really think D- Dennis Stratton being gone and Adrian finally being in the band just made such a huge difference. His style was just so different. I think that's what led to a lot of that repetitiveness and other stuff. But I liked his guitar solos, so... It's yeah. funny because you because um, you mentioned Ralph Vieira before Wayne, and he admitted that the first Maiden is his favorite Maiden album, right? And uh, his favorite era of Priest is '70s Priest, right? So uh, he would have been an interesting perspective to have on the show as well, but uh, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I could have asked him, but then the show would have been like five hours. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> and hello, Sammy. Sammy Van Sammy. did. Sammy's on the show. She's yep, on, in the chat. If you're, you're, uh, it's Greg's girlfriend. Oh, yep. hey, Sammy. Yes. Welcome to the show. You're late because the show is over. Uh, but Greg, what are you ranking uh, these albums? I obviously we already know what your first. Uh, well, if we if we do a one two three, it'd be Killers, Sad Wings, and then uh, Sin After Sin, obviously. But Killers definitely a perfect ten out of ten. Fuck, it's it's an eleven. I mean, there's no way it. Oh, okay. Then. All record. right, there. You, why don't you just make ten uh, louder? Sad, guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm sad. Wings. I like a lot. It's a good record, even though it has a couple flaws. I'd give it about a uh, eight and a half. Sin after sin is just too cut and paste and all over the place. It um, while it has some good songs, it just doesn't function well as an album. I give it a six. It's average. Yeah. I would agree with you, uh, Lou. I uh, I think I'm in the minority of this group. I place Sin After Sin above um, uh, Sad Wings of Destiny. Really? Yeah. Um, because Sinner, Starbreaker, Dissident and Aggressor, uh, they always end up in my playlists of whenever I make a a, 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 a classic metal. Um, Sinner and no Starbreaker playlist. do for me as well, but I'm using the live versions. I I enjoy the studio versions. I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you that the Unleash in the East is the best one, but that's an album that I have to listen to from start to finish. Um, but you know, I I I also have the um Metology box set and mm-hmm. the studio versions are on it. And I actually admit I owned that before I I um I had the uh the, the the cds so you know those songs are on it but yeah sin F- and again it's just my opinion sin after sin above sad wings of destiny but killers 
trumps all of it. The methodology. No, no. What's the other? What's the uh, box set? That is Metology. the box set. It is the box set. All right. Are you I thinking Metalworks seventy-three to ninety-three? Yes, I'm thinking of that. I'm kind of confused. Okay, but that's metal a dual disc. Metalology was the first one I had as well from Judas Priest. It's okay to be wrong anytime. <laughs> I mean, the reason why I was I, I went on and got that box set was because that's when they said that they were reuniting with Halford. They were going to do Ozfest. To this day, that Jones Beach concert with Sabbath and Priest best Ozfest I ever went to one of my top 10 favorite concerts that I've ever seen oh easily and I mean well it was such a great um set list too I mean fuck they mm-hmm. did beyond the realms of death I'll never that was insane that. I mean yeah. there was th- that Ozfest for me was perfect because it was like the first real metal Ozfest I I know there's a lot of people out there that like new metal and that's fine but for me it's like that Ozfest had Sabbath Priest slayer demo borgir on the main stage and on the second stage you had lamb of god slipknot hate breed um every time i die atreyu um a lot of bands from that time that i liked so for me that was like i'm sorry a lot of new metal on that slipknot atreyu but uh, you know i think Uh, i I wouldn't call the tray new metal that one there chief they were more like yeah, well, metal, whatever. metal like core. Emo, emo metal. Well, yeah, but well, they okay, had no, no, no. The Ozfest I went to was more new metal. That was Disturbed, Corn, uh, Mud, uh, Grader. That was Slay. the year prior. Yeah. yeah, that was 2003. Voivod yeah. was there, which is mm-hmm. the most important. That was, so yeah. Voivod did not show up to ours. They didn't? No. Oh, wow. I got to see them. They were amazing. No, I had I had the wonderful and exciting uh, Cradle of Filth. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was not a good time. Straight up had bad time again. But that Ozfest had <laughs> Shadows Fall and Killswitch Engage, and I was really happy about that. Shadows cause... Fall, I had I did not get Killswitch. I had freaking E Town Concrete. Well, E Town replaced Nothing Face because they broke up on that tour because tvt stopped paying their tour literally support. did not get kill switch either that sucks really that's i had so shadows fall was the first fucking band out at nine o'clock in atlanta georgia in the morning <laughs> rolled out there so uh so like um it, i think it was chimera came in for kill switch that's no chimera was part of the whole tour oh I don't know, but somebody didn't come in because like we didn't get Kill Switch and we didn't get uh, Nothing Face. Well, like so. I said, Nothing Face dropped off the tour by the time it got to Atlanta because TVT axed their uh, tour support, so E-Town Concrete replaced them for the remainder of the tour. Yeah, But yeah, I mean, the 2004 Ozfest, I mean, that was definitely more hardcore metalcore influence in there, but still, I mean, on the main stage, we got Slayer, Priest, and Sabbath, and, and Demu, who as much as I like some Cradle stuff, I think Demo as a band is just light years above. Oh, Demo would have been a way better show. Freaking Cradle was just like, it was all theatrics. I'm sitting there going like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. The cool thing about Priest, though, was that right before they came on, it started thunderstorming. And the, the lightning strikes occurred at the pivotal points of their songs. My wife, who, who I was dating at the time, asked me, is this part of the show? I'm like, I don't think so, but this is pretty exciting. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. At every pivotal point in a pre-song, <laughs> lightning strike, 
that was great um yeah and i'm going to pick i'm actually i'm going with greg killers said wings and center a sin after sin so iron maiden wins again for a second time yep they will not win for me next time though really Oh, so Number of the Beast is not here. Number, Number of the Beast is the worst album of the 80s. It's very disjointed and boring. Believe it or not, a lot of casual fans love that fans, but a lot of, um, you know, Maiden fans um, that have followed them since the beginning, will. it's a very polarizing record for some of them. Interesting. I have not listened to much of it outside of the hits, so I will... Be coming into it fresh faced and probably hating the world. Bring That's it on. All right. That's okay. But uh all right, so Killers wins this time. And we will not be here next week. I will be away, but we will be here the following week. I believe that's the twentieth, if I'm correct. Right? Probably. Yeah. Close enough. We'll be here. I'll let you guys know. Check out Facebook and you'll see when we will be on next. Actually, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Uh hit subscribe here on YouTube. Anywhere else? Oh, go to ratsaddlereview.com. Go to musicislifepodcast.com. Like, well, comment, my subscribe. link tree. And go to his link tree, whatever the link is for that. Music is Life Podcast. Musicislifepodcast.com is currently being repaired. Right. Um, so instead of oh. us next week, I'll probably have my episode from Eternal Con, which is a Long Island mm-hmm. Comic Con. And uh, I'll try to get my interview with Michael Branville, the three sides of the coin out. So Very cool. I have an announcement. What? That I have started another podcast on opposite day, so I will still be here, oh. but it will be college football based. Oh, wow. it, it is called No Huddle, uh-huh. and it is with me and a person that I've met and have become good friends with, Caleb Davis. It is on the Rocky Mountain Sports Network, uh-huh. and we're going to be starting during the uh, season. I'm I am actually <laughs> editing episode one as we speak. Congratulations! Very cool. Can't wait. Yeah, to we're hear. talking. We're talking conference expansions and uh, everything going on in the world. Uh, now you'll, Lou, you'll enjoy this. You'll have Southern California University and the College of Los Angeles coming to wonderful Rutgers, New Jersey. Boo. <laughs> yeah. right, very, very cool. Very cool. Can't wait to uh, hear that. Yeah, podcast. you can probably gather around and miss that, but it's okay. Yeah, I'm not going to listen to it, but uh, can't wait for everybody else to hear it. <laughs> there, is, sports. there is a hardcore fan base out there for college uh, sports so there is. oh there is. yes there is and i live in it yes and and i have faith in you you have the voice to do that so i said you should have been hired for like a, a sports radio station oh god you know what if they didn't have like five of them in this area already i probably would have been well maybe one day but uh, let's get out of here because greg is dying i can see he's uh yeah, he, he is. He I'm is dripping sweating. like a virgin on prom night over here. It's 100 degrees. These guys saw his tongue hanging out of his mouth like a few seconds ago. Get this. Get that man some water. So get out of here, and I will see. Get the water. Get him a freaking Pepto Bismol. So I will see you guys in a few weeks, and take care of yourselves. And um, yeah, that's it. Bye. Demoni. Stay away from the Florida mountains. <laughs> there are mountains in Florida. 238 of them. 347 feet is the highest elevation for the Florida mountains. Still, the Joe David Lee Ross climbed them. 
It is a, it is a very dangerous hill. <laughs> yeah, Benny Hill. Good night, everybody. Goodbye. Watch out for the Florida Mountains, still, folks. They're, they're killers. <laughs> While for Gidway figures out the button. There it is. <laughs> Looking for some new podcasts to listen to? Well, look no further than the Ratsaw Review Network. Ratsaw Review is taking over the podcast world with plenty of shows to choose from within their network of entertaining programming, including the flagship show, Ratsaw Review, with Wayne Noon, Greg Noggle, and Lou Mavs, as well as occasional co-hosts Manny Mejias and James Lilquist. We also have the official Ratsaw Review spin-offs, such as Album vs. Album, Screams from the Grave, where we discuss beloved yet forgotten hard rock and metal albums of the past, and a King Diamond podcast called This Broadcast Belongs to Them. We've also got Old Man Metal's Musings, the Metal Thrashing Nerd podcast with Metal Thrashing Mike, the Timo Toki podcast featuring Stradivarius and Avalon founding member Timo Toki, the BS Sessions with Mark and Jerry, Just the Cheese Please, a podcast dedicated to cheesy films of the 1980s with Tara J and Adam, and the Music is Live podcast with Lou Mavs. The Ratsaw Review Network is your go-to one-stop shop for the best podcasts out there today. Go to RatsawReview.com for more info. And to find out where you can find, follow, subscribe, and comment on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and all streaming platforms. The Ratsaw Review Network. We're taking over.